Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. And welcome back to another episode of Jumping Bomb Audio, the show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. My name is Taylor, and I'm joined here, as always, by Kelly. Kelly, you know, I'm going to give the people some behind-the-scenes information in that usually when we do this show, um, I don't know often what your opinion is about the things that we will be covering, because I like (laughs) to... Uh, be surprised, you know, yeah. and sort of react in the moment to what you think, what your reaction to what I thought. Uh, it's a little bit different this week in that I have some inkling of your thoughts from things that you've said <laughs> you sure uh, leading do. <laughs> up to this recording. And I have a feeling that this episode is going to be a doozy. Yep. Yep. It's going to be a doozy. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to we're going to have some fun. We got a lot to talk about. Two big shows we'll be covering uh, on this episode. The first one, the big stardom show from Osaka Joe Hall, and also Tokyo Joshi's Wrestle Princess 2. Two very big shows. Uh, so excited to get into those. So the first one we will cover, we will start with Stardom. Their 10th anniversary grand final Osaka Dream Cinderella Osaka Mecca Stardom show. That name from rules. A very long name uh, from Osaka Joe Hall, their first time there in front of 1,441 fans, a good, no- a great number for them. Uh, and it started off uh, with a match that I did not see because I watched the pay-per-view and I'm not sure that Kelly saw, but oh, the team of Oedo Tyrena and Saki Kashima defeating Lady C and Wakasukiyama. Kelly, I did, did see you see that? Okay, so talk about it because I did yeah. not see it because I, I watched the it. It was absolutely fine. Like, it was just a fine two star match. Uh, but I gotta say, I started laughing my ass off when Saki challenged Siri to a UOWF rules match just because that is a ridiculous premise. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Saki's uh, second match of the, uh, well, her first match of the night but it would be one of her two matches on the evening for her. Uh, But the card proper started with the Future of Stardom title match, uh, where Ruaka defeated Unagi Saika in 8 minutes and 17 seconds to become the new Future of Stardom champion. And I watched this match and I said, we've got to kick the show off with (laughs) Kelly's thoughts on this match because i know that you're gonna have a lot of thoughts on this match uh well let's just say the future is bleak um i said this sucked but it wasn't the worst thing i've ever seen uh i went one and three quarter stars i thought it was fine i was sort of i feel less strongly about (laughs) ruaka than you do the ruaka hater is logged on i'll say 
and you know, it's always sort of hard to gauge this because it's like, well, you know, you don't want Sayaka losing, but you at some point, it's sort of a weird thing where you have to get good enough to lose the title. Yeah. Uh, which is always a sort of strange thing. And of course, um, we won't talk about it this episode. We'll, we'll preview this show next episode, but at their next big show, Kawasaki Wars on November 3rd, Unagi Sayaka falling up in a way, losing the future of Stardom title, ma- title match and next show getting to challenge Tom Nakino for the uh, Wonder of Stardom title. So a big glow up there for her. I feel uh, like this belt strange. would be better served if it would be something like if you win four or five matches in a row as champion, you kind of like graduate from the title and then you get some other title shot as a result, you know? Like, I feel like that would be a lot stronger way to push people into doing other things than, oh, you lost it. Now you can challenge someone else or something. Yeah, almost like, and this is sort of a, feels like sort of a reference that not many people will understand. Uh, But on the current, I believe, on current NWA TV, uh, the television champion, I believe if they win something like 10 matches or something as champion, they then receive a... Uh, world title shot. Um, so yeah, I think that would be an interesting system where it's like, if you win X matches, you have to maybe give up the title and then you get to challenge. Of course, the issue with that is that they don't really have that many people Yeah, sitting around where it's like, okay, you're going to win four matches and leave. And then it's going to be a new champion. You know, it's, it's not like they have, 10 or 15 sort of like younger or not younger, but less experienced wrestlers to come in and challenge. You beat Rena five times. Good job. Yeah. And then it's like, well, you beat her five times. So she now has to become the champion. It's like, well, we just (laughs) saw her loss. So yeah, sort of a hard and just sort of a strange title where you can't really go, Oh, why, why would you beat Unagi? Well, you beat her because you need to get the title off of her. Yeah. At some point. It just feels weird to be like, you lost to Ruwaka. Now you get another title shot. <laughs> Seems like in any other situation, if you weren't the champion and you lost to Ruwaka, it might be like, hey, things are not going well for you. Yeah, back of the line. Uh, the next match saw the visitors team Marvelous of Maria and Rin Katakura defeat the Cosmic Angels team of Mai Sakurai and Mina Shirakawa. I have to say, this may have been my favorite My Sakurai performance. I really enjoyed this match. Yeah, I thought she did well. I really liked this match a lot. Uh, slight spoiler for things to come, but this is my second favorite match of the show. Oh, uh, that's that's very interesting. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed this. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was great. I thought, you know, we talked about last episode. I think Mina is now even sort of underrated being in these sort of undercard matches because I think she's very good. She bumps like a maniac in this match. Yeah, I thought they both did very well. I don't know if it's they're working with, you know, this team Marvelous, which is maybe more of the style of, you know, the sort of actress girl style that Sakurai sort of briefly started with i don't know but it all worked and it was a match that i uh 
very much enjoyed. Yeah, and the post-match was cool. I like the intensity shown between them. I hope this isn't like the end of the Marvelous versus Cosmic Angels stuff. I think that could be a fun feud. Well, Rin is back for the uh, Tag League. Uh, that is, well, now it has started, started today. Uh, so she will be at least around, which is good to know. And I'm sure we'll see some Marvelous uh, people in the future as we've seen over the last few months. Yeah, but yeah, I went three and a half on this match. I really liked it. The next match was the high-speed title match, the first of five title matches on the show. That's right, right? One, two, three, four, five. Yep. Yep. Uh, Where Starlight Kid, the champion, retained her title over Fukigen Death in five minutes and 47 seconds. I have to say, I'm looking at this timing, five minutes and 47 seconds. It didn't feel that short. I knew it was fairly short, but this is a match that I really liked. This is the exact type of sort of high speed when I'm like, what should the high speed title match be? It should be this. You just get in there. You go a hundred miles an hour. You don't overstay your welcome. I thought, uh, Fukigen death looked great. A major sort of throwback performance. I'm always expecting that in these sort of bigger spots for Kaori. Uh, Yonayama, where it's sort of she flashes back to I think she's very good and in, exceptionally underrated, largely because she sort of does these comedy characters mostly now. And she seems to sort of go into that more quote unquote serious mode less often um, as the years go on. But I thought this was a big throwback. I thought they really meshed together. I thought they kept some of that Fukigen comedy in there, the smoking, the newspaper while also having a really good high-speed match. They did the um, the Code Red near the end, which looked really great. Uh, so I went four stars. This is a match, even though it was only 5 minutes, 47 seconds, a match that I super enjoyed. Yeah, I like this one a lot, too. I just went uh, three flat on it. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. It's a nice to have a reminder every now and then that Yonayama still rocks. Like She's great. And they... the there was a good balance to it between the comedy and the seriousness of it. So yeah, I thought it was great. And yeah, if it had been just a little bit longer, I think I would have gone higher, but for what it was, I really liked it. I did also like, uh, I watched the Japanese commentary cause I was watching the, the, uh, pay-per-view that the announcer who very loudly went smoking <laughs> when, <laughs> when Fukigen death started smoking. Was there was- English commentary for this? I don't know because I did not even, I didn't even check to be honest. Okay. Cause yeah, there, I did. I, I watched it on uh, stardom world and I don't think there was uh, an English option there unless I was just dumb and couldn't find it. Yeah. There may not have been, I didn't even look on stardom world cause I had watched it before it went up there, but uh, hopefully those will be back. Cause I did like the, the English option last time so I'm yeah i kind of missed they it do more honest. of that yeah uh the next match was the artist of stardom title match with the brand new champions donna del mundo team of himika micah and natsupoi defeating the queen's quest team of azumi momo watanabe and saya kamatani in 16 minutes and 36 seconds 
this is another match that I really enjoyed. I mean, you look at the sort of the names in it and it was about what you would expect. Very good. I was sort of in the low three and three quarters range. Just I thought that they worked really well together, hard hitting, fast paced. So really what you would expect and, uh, you know, what you expect sort of sounds like a am denigrating the match, but <laughs> I thought it would be good and it was good. Yeah, it's one of those where that's not really a bad thing where it's just like, yeah, I I was excited for this match. It paid off. All right. Uh, one thing I thought was cool was that the Dental Del Mundo team, their uh, gear matched the colors of the belts they got. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, and... I did. I always like matching gear, and although it wasn't quote-unquote matching because they yeah. were all in different colors, I liked that they did a, did a scheme of, you know, a color scheme. And I didn't realize it until they were handed the belts once they won. I was like, oh, that's what they're doing. Like, it, was, it was cool. Uh, I thought the match started a little slow for me, but it picked up as it went on. I ended up giving it three and a half stars. Uh, there was one bit near the end where Saya hit a Spanish fly on Micah and it looked just horrible. Like it was one of those where Saya was trying too much. I can't like, believe you didn't notice that they were all coordinated because they came out originally with the belts and stood directly in the center of the ring. I didn't. I holding wasn't the belts in front of themselves. I think I had the I I just had it on and was like off in the house doing something else and then making sure I came back by the time the match a- actually started so I might have missed their entrance. Uh, but yes, a a very a very good match. Uh, my I guess I'll say my second favorite match on the show. I'll say that that's a spoiler for me. Uh, <laughs> The next match was the uh, singles match, Hazuki return match, Hazuki defeating Koguma in 11 minutes and 39 seconds. Kelly, what did you think of this one? My biggest takeaway from this was I the commentator kept calling uh, the cutter a gun stun, and that made me laugh. Because I've never heard of someone call a cutter a gun stun in a match that does not involve Carl Anderson. <laughs> I've never noticed it happen, at least. Maybe it's a, a shout out to uh, the brother promotion of, of New Japan. Yeah, it must be. Uh, but yeah, sure. I just I thought that was funny. But yeah, I like this match. Uh, I thought it was solid, but nothing really to write home about. Uh, I thought Hazuki looked a step slow and I I didn't notice that at all in her previous match in the uh, Hana Memorial show. So I'm guessing it's just the level of opponent she had i i kogum is fine but she's not great uh I, I said on the previous show i wish she that hazuki had a better opponent for her return match and i don't know i thought this was fine i went three stars but i i was hoping for a little bit more yeah this to me very much was sort of just like a match yeah they went out they didn't wrestle poorly badly anything like that but it wasn't anything blow away it was like this is a very standard i also went three stars uh as some people say i guess a gentle woman's three yeah Uh, just went out it was like okay getting hazuki comfortable with being back in you know the stardom style wrestling you know one-on-one on one of these bigger shows you know so i think 
Hazuki's return will not be judged on this match. This was just sort of the warm up to get her a win, get her back in the uh, get her back in the ring. Uh, I'm a bit confused, as we'll cover down the line. She wins this match and now is challenging for a title, um, which seems to me just very. Str- it's <laughs> okay. So. We didn't really talk. I didn't ask at the beginning of the show or at the beginning of when we started talking about the show, what you thought. I think that there's, as we just talked about, there have been matches on the undercard that I enjoyed. I enjoyed the high speed match. I enjoyed the artist of stardom title match. But I think a lot of these matches as we now move on going forward are sort of indicative of almost every issue that I have brought up on one of these episodes of this podcast. Yes. It was like each show... match was a, it was yeah. like a slightly different issue that I brought up and I'm like, ah, the issue here is this issue that I had. Yeah. And the issue in this match is Hazuki comes back and the whole monologue at the beginning when she returned was I came back. I am a stardom, you know, I started in stardom. That's where I'm from. And I've been watching stardom and all of these, People have been coming in from other companies. They're not from stardom. They didn't, you know, grow up in stardom, start with stardom. And that's why I had to come back. That to me is a natural undercard storyline, which we've talked about. Stardom does not do a lot of, and I wish they would do more of. And it seems just so bizarre to me to, I guess, look, you say Koguma, she says, oh, you've been here. I'd like to wrestle you. I'm coming back. It's my first match. Okay, let that one go. But then her very next match is going to be a title match against Utami. And it's like, it doesn't make sense. It's like you have a storyline where you can put slot this person in sort of the middle of these cards with an interesting story. Okay, Hazuki is going to take on these people who didn't start in stardom. You have all of Donna Del Mundo. You have the Cosmic Angels. You have all of these people, all these matches that Hazuki could have that don't immediately just go, well, she's back. She's getting a title match. Because that's, as I always talk about, it's like stardom is one track mind. If you are not challenging for a title, stardom doesn't really know what the purpose of you is. And it's just so maddening to me because I'm like, I want to see these cards have some, you know, storylines in the middle. And I think especially, and we'll talk about this in a second, this is a little bit of my spoilers for thoughts coming up. Watching something like a big Tokyo Joshi show where the whole card almost every single match, maybe not every single match on the Tokyo Joshi on Tokyo Joshi cards have big stories, but everyone has at least some sort of story of this, you know, even if it's not a title match, this person is coming in their rookie. They're facing this person who, you know, they feel this way about, and you were given a storyline at the very beginning with Hazuki and seemingly have, been like, well, doesn't matter. She's getting a title match though. And it just seems like every issue is sort of paved over with, well, you're getting a title shot. So everything's fine. Yeah. The, the booking of stardom is actively bad. I, 
And this show was just emblematic of everything. Everything that I don't like about the company was just right on Front Street with this show. <laughs> it feels a bit to me like, you know, the number, of, a great number for the house, um, you know, 1441, not as high as their uh, five-star Grand Prix show, but still way up there considering for you know, it seemed like many months they were running these big shows and it was like a thousand, uh, 1050, uh, 950, like in that range, they've now gotten to the next thing, but it just seems like so much of this is building a foundation on something that is unsecure. You're yeah. building a big tower on a bunch of sand because there's no, there just seems to be no I don't even know what word I want to use, but it's just like, well, now it's this time. Yeah, there's no, but there's no like back. I don't want to say backstory because backstory is not the right word, but like for these wrestlers, there's no sort of motivation to any of them besides I'm hoping for a title match. I'm in a title match. And you know, most of the time, whoops, I lost the title match. And there's a thing where I'm like, well, why, you know, the big thing we talked about last week, why is Azumi not being pushed? Now she's getting a title match. But it, it's just sort of those things where people go, well, they just rotate, you know. Now it's Donna Del Mundo's turn to be the focus. And then they get the focus for four months, and then they're then they're down the card. And it's like, I get what they're trying to do, where they're trying to feature everyone. But it's not a merry-go-round where you can just go, okay, it's your turn now. Like, there has to be some sort of of something more than just sort of an orderly line of like, now it's your turn. Okay. You've had your turn. Now you go to the back of the line and now it's your turn, you know? Yeah. It's detrimental to the company in the long term because they're not building any stars. Like I would say your big drawing star right now still is Mayu, but like everyone else feels interchangeable to me. And the most bizarre thing to me is they did it with Julia. So I know that they can do it. And the way they did it with Julia was that she started out with a non-title feud. And it's, it's like, there it is. There's your answer. That's what started. And then she sort of built, 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 you know, there was a lot. If you go back and look at the way that Julia was booked, there is a logical progression to almost everything that happened. You know, some of it was COVID hit. Uh, They had the stuff with Hana, all, you know, sort of outside things that happened that made it a little bit trickier. But they nailed it with her and she became a star. And it's like, that's the way these things should be happening. And we'll talk about in a second uh, more. So I guess we should move on to the next match because this will sort of all build uh, (laughs) on itself. Uh, The next match, though, was the SWA women's title match and also the uh, title shot, the five-star title shot of Siri was on the line. This was Uh. originally supposed to be against Konami. Uh, Konami uh, got injured and was not in the match, and so it became Siri against Saki Kashima. Siri defeating Saki Kashima in eight minutes and 58 seconds. I guess, Kelly, I heard you groan when I started announcing the match. So I'll start with your thoughts. I don't want to see a briefcase in wrestling ever again. I hate it. Like, at this point, it's a derivative of a derivative. 
because it's like it's, they're just doing what they do with the G1 and you know that's ripped off from the briefcase for money in the bank and it's like I just I hate it you win the tournament you get the shot you shouldn't have to defend it like this I I don't know I think it's dumb and I just hate that they have to carry around a stupid briefcase like the match well, itself was fine but I that just bothered me well, my issue is on a totally different front, which is that, look, you got put in a hard spot. Konami, not available. You can't do the match. Would have probably been a good match, a fun match. So you say, okay, you put in Saki Kashima. To me, Siri should be just destroying Saki Kashima. Yeah. The fact that this match this match lasted nine minutes, this match to me is a five-minute match where Siri dominates, Saki Kashima gets maybe one or two little spots of hope, and then it's over. And here we go. We're building on sort of the Hazuki match was the issue with the mid-card. This match is the issue that I always talk about, which is that this company is obsessed with seemingly making everyone at the same exact level. And they're like, well, Saki Kashima has to go out there and look good against Siri because we can't make her look too bad. She is a bottom. (laughs) She is a bottom rung. And I don't mean this to denigrate her ability. I like Saki Kashima in the ring probably more than most people do. But in terms of where she is stationed in the company, she is close to the bottom. Especially when you take out rookies or people like Mei Sakurai who have had like 15 matches in their whole career. She is near the bottom. And sometimes you have to let people just lose. It is okay. Because if people lose and you want to heat them back up, you can have them win a couple times. It is okay to have people lose. It is okay to have people wrestle matches where they don't look 50, 50 with every person on the roster at this point. Look, if this was just some singles match, at the beginning of a house show, Siri against Saki Kashima, and it goes nine minutes, whatever. You are trying to build Siri to having a huge title match on a big end of the year show. You want her going into that match looking very strong. And the way not to do it is to make her go 50-50 with Saki Kashima. And especially when it's supposed to be Siri's kind of match. Yes. And so it's just one of those things where, and I've talked about this, where it's just everyone seemingly sits in the mid card. Then they go, okay, who hasn't had a title match in a while? It's you. You get called up and you go get a title shot and you, most of the time, you lose it. I mean, it feels like at this point, especially with Utami, sort of like we're wait. Well, at this point, we are waiting for Utami Suri. And we yeah. were at some point waiting for Utami Julia, which was, as we've talked about, the the match seemingly in the company. The two big, the top title, one of your biggest stars, another fairly large star in Utami. And it just seems like everything else, now they're running big show, big show, big show. The fact is they have another big show coming up in just over two weeks. They just ran a big show, and a couple weeks before that, they had another big show. And it just seems so sort of by the numbers. Like, okay, everyone's in the mid-card. No one really 
ever looks dominant. No one ever really looks weak. So at any point we can just go, oh, it's uh, whoever we want this week. Oh, it's you challenging for a title. There you go. Oh, you lost the title match. Okay, then you go back into this mid-card middle. And the mid-card middle has existed for a long time, and seemingly they have not really elevated many people out of it. Since we've since I've started this podcast a year and a half ago, I would say the people they have legitimately elevated are Julia is one, which I've already talked about. They did a great job with that. I would say Utami, although I have some issues with Utami, which we'll talk about in a second. I would say Suri, which I think is largely through the doing of Suri being so good. I think Suri's going to win Wrestler of the Year, Joshi Wrestler of the Year, and very deservedly, she's excellent in the ring and has shown yeah. it in almost all the matches she has. The elevation of Suri is a complete accident on their part. And other than that, I'm like, who else? Everyone else feels like, you know, Himika came in, felt really dominant, started in that first five-star Grand Prix, did very well, and now feels a year later sort of in the same position. It's like there's just a bunch of people sitting around feeling like they have no momentum at all. They'll gain momentum when they need to for a title shot. They'll go up, they'll lose the title shot, and they go right back to where they are. It just feels like no one has any movement in this company. And we will directly compare that in a couple minutes to the way that Tokyo Joshi has been doing it, which in my opinion is perfect. The way yeah. that they have been doing it. Look, it's not easy. And I'm not sitting here saying, oh, you know, everyone could do it. Because if everyone could do it, then we'd have 50 wrestling companies in the whole world that would all be <laughs> on fire and everyone would be going and they'd be selling out all these arenas. But they have put themselves in a position where they're like, we are a big deal company. They are treated differently than a company, or at least by me, than a company like, for example, seedling because they have said we are big enough that we're going to run osaka joe hall we're going to run sumo hall we're going to run all these big venues we're going to run budokan if you're running these big venues and telling me you're a big deal i want to see the proof more than just here's two wrestlers they come out and they have a great match which there are a lot of great matches in this company it just feels like that's what they have and there's nothing behind it that really makes you come back except for, hey, you can come back and see this good style of match, which you've seen, which you see now at this point, pretty much every two weeks. So that, <laughs> that is my opinion there uh, on that match. Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, I want three stars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought it was fine. Uh, nothing about it was UWF style in any way. Uh, I don't think the referee even attempted to, like, officiate it in that style. <laughs> I liked the match at first because it didn't seem like it was going to go nine minutes and it just seemed like Saki was a shithead that got way out of her depth by just being way overconfident. And then they started just having her take it to Siri, which is just the wrong way to do this match. I think... I think they were just, they wanted it to be a longer match purely because this was supposed to be Konami and they're like, oh, we don't want people to be disappointed that they're not getting another match. And it's like, no, I don't think anyone would care, but whatever. 
Uh, like, I, I don't know. The match was fine for what it was, but I think the booking was shit and it made Siri look worse coming out of it. The uh, next match, the semi-main event for the Wonder of Stardom title match, Tom Nakino, the champion, going to a 30-minute time limit draw with Mayu Iwatani. Bad match. Kelly, I'll let you go first. Bad match. Hated this match. I could not believe after I watched this match that people were talking this up as like a match of the year candidate. It was bad. It was glacially slow through the whole match. I kept waiting for it to kick in and it never fucking did. They just not a sense of urgency to anything. Immediately, like within the first five minutes, I said, oh, this is going to be a draw. Okay, cool. And it sure was. They did the five minute call at the end. They're like, okay, cool. This is when it kicks in. All right. And then they both fucking fell out of the ring and laid out there for 20 seconds. And then they got back in and the final exchange was cool. Like whatever. It didn't save the match to me. It was so long and boring and felt like it was an hour. Like I thought this match was genuinely bad. I went one star. And again, I could not believe that people loved this match. It sucked. I was I was mad for Tom and Mayu. Like, what are you doing? You have such a better match in you, and you just did this because for some godforsaken reason, no one can lose, and you need to have time limit draws all the time. All right. So people know I've talked to the ends of the earth about how I feel about time limit draws in this company. And a lot of times in the past, I've talked about time limit draws and people have, I will say, rightly said that they have kept the time limit draws off the big shows. The time limit draws tend to happen on their smaller shows, their house shows, whatever you want to call them, which is correct. I'm still very annoyed by the time limit draws, but it is correct that they mostly or almost exclusively in the past were happening on the small shows. And I think Funny enough, they had two more shows uh, this weekend, and there were two time limit draws. Jesus. But now, look at what has started happening. Look the at what you have brought. <laughs> the time limit draws are coming to these shows, and this is one of them, and I'm so annoyed by this. I didn't dislike the match as much as Kelly did. I thought it was a perfectly fine match. I went like three and a half stars. The time limit draw is so annoying to me. We just talked about on the last episode, Tom Nakino on the five-star Grand Prix Finals, beating Utami, a big match. We said, this is the revival point. Tom Nakino has sort of been undercovered. She hasn't been felt as big as Utami. She hasn't felt as big as Shuri, even though she's a title holder. And this is her opportunity. She's going to go out there. She can beat Mayu and really say, look, I am good. I beat Utami. I beat Mayu. And here you go. You give her a time limit draw and you cut the legs out from underneath her. Yeah. And Mayu loses nothing by losing this match. Like if you beat her, nothing. She's the icon of stardom. And like that's that's the name they give her. But like it's true. She is the face of this company. If she loses, nothing happens to her. You can beat her. It's fine. But Mayu also, like, she could lose. I agree with that. I think she could lose probably multiple matches. And all you have to do is have her win a couple big matches, and she's right back where she was. Yep. But also, 
She's not doing like, what are you protecting her for? She's it's not like she has a, oh, I have this title match and then I'm going into some other title match soon and I need to look strong. There's no reason. Let Tom win. It's like you made her champion. You had her beat Julia in on your biggest show that you've ever run in the main event in a big you know, hair match. You had her shave the head. You had this big moment. And since then, what have they done? Nothing. 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 She feels so cold and she can't even, it's like, wow, you beat Utami. And guess what? We've now entirely wiped that out because you couldn't beat Mayu. And it just doesn't make, it's like, you have to, to use a very (laughs) cringy (laughs) cliche when you're, Making eggs, you got to break the eggs to make eggs. And that's what's got, it's like they have eggs and they're like, well, we can't break any of them. And it's like, people have to lose. It's what happens in wrestling. People lose. They do it all the time. Break people the fucking eggs. lose matches. And they'll, they're fine, especially Mayu. She's got how many years? 10 years of being either at or near the top of this, not 10 years of being at or near the top of the company, but she's been at or near the top of the company for so long. She's one of the most well-known Joshi wrestlers in all of Joshi. Yeah. Probably easily in the top five. If you walked up to some random wrestling fan on the street and you said, name five Joshi wrestlers, I almost guarantee you Mayu Iwatani would be in almost everyone's top five. Yeah. Definitely. She's right, like one of the most recognizable. Just come on. You can beat her. It doesn't matter, Rossi. What are you doing? And it's just like people can lose. It is okay to have people lose. You can survive. Not every single person can win every match that they're in. It's just not realistic. It isn't what happens anywhere. And like if you don't want anyone to lose, don't book the match. Yes. I mean, you're booking, but seemingly no one can lose to anyone. So they don't have any matches to book because you can't book anyone to lose. Wrestling isn't this hard. Like it's, it's, it's not. Yeah. And I think booking all these time limit draws, it's like, okay, great. People are not losing, but you're making it harder on yourself because great person B is not losing. In this case, Mayu is not losing. But Tom is not winning and you've essentially created a situation where you have an opportunity to make Tom look good. She beats Utami. She beats Mayu. She comes out and she says, look, people underrated me. People talking about Utami. People talking about Shuri. But look at what I'm doing. I beat Utami. I beat Mayu. And now it's like, okay, we fought a hard match. It went 30 minutes. Oh, great job. Okay. Yeah, and there's no like character development through this for either of them. Like it's not like no one again, no one wins. No one gets anything good out of this. It's just like now you have two people who couldn't beat their opponent. They didn't lose, so no one won. So it's just like you have these two people who are even and that's it. There's nothing like there's no positive to this. <sighs> oh. <laughs> Oh, I'm just laughing. People are going to, people are, uh, I think we're going to get a lot of comments about this episode. Uh, <laughs> like I legitimately wish I could see what people saw when they're like, Oh, the match of the year contender, the final five minutes were magic. Like 
they fucking fell out of the ring and laid down for a while. <laughs> well, I think part of it now to me is, and we'll fold, we will fold this into the main event because this is largely what I felt about the main event. The World of Stardom title match, no time limit match, Utami <laughs> Hayashita, the champion defeating Takumi Aroha in 30 minutes and 52 seconds. It's real the- weird how in this match, once the 30 minute mark hit, they just rushed through to the end. You know, it's real weird, huh? <laughs> it's almost like they're just like, okay, we'll hit this uh, this mark, and then that's it. We're good. We're done. All right, cool. To me, it feels like we've hit a point where stardom is now. Look, it's great. They're running all these big shows. It's like that's they had the five star Grand Prix. They had this show. They have the all these different quote unquote war shows coming up. They have the Sumo Hall show coming up. It now, to me, is starting to feel like... I almost get a sense of of like deja vu at this point. Where it's like every two weeks, I watch a stardom show, and the main events all feel the same to me. It's these big sort of big move, hard-hitting matches, which I think in my brain, I'm like, I should like this. This yeah. should be good to me. And by the way, I will say to anyone, this is probably too late for this because anyone who, <laughs> you know, people have probably turned it off at this point if they're mad at me. I go into these shows hoping beyond hope that I love these shows. I want to, I've talked about this before. I want to like every single wrestling match I ever watch in my whole life because that would be amazing. I would love that. I, I, I go into every show hoping I hate it because I'm joyless. Yes, of course you do. Yeah, uh, I just I don't like anything and I don't want to like anything. <laughs> <laughs> and it just feels to me like I was like, this is a good match. I really like Aroha. It just feels to me so much like, didn't I just see this? I just sort of saw this thing in the five star Grand Prix. I just saw this a month ago. It just feels like every show, it's just like, here's a big match. They're going to hit each other really hard. Like, is this just Utami Shuri with two different people? Yeah. It sort of feels that way. And to me, Utami, they elevated her. They've given her a nice championship run. I think that 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 was the smart decision to make. It was a decision many months ago before she even had the title that we said that they should do. To me, Utami is very good. She's super talented in the ring and she is missing the X factor that people who get to the very tippy top level, the Mayu, the Julia, people like that, that people like that have. I can't say what it is because sometimes it's a thing where it appears out of nowhere and all of a sudden they have it. You know, you think about, you know, Naito, a very good wrestler. For many years, people said he's very boring. We don't really care about him. And then the Ingobernables thing happened. And it's like, there it is. But before that happened, no one could have sat there and gone, well, he should go to Mexico and he should join this faction that's in uh, CMLL. And then he should come back and do this sort of character. You can't sort of predict that. But just something to me about Utami is it just doesn't connect on that level where I'm like, yes, this is a top star. I'm like, she's very good in ring. Sure. Um, You know, she's fun to watch. Yes. But she doesn't feel like that sort of 
next level person. And that will happen sometimes. Yeah. You know, you have to take a chance. Very young. And she is still very young. It could happen at any point. And I'm not saying at this point, you know, she's out, get rid of her. You know, you've given her a title reign, which has been very long, very good. And I think that that was the right decision. And maybe, you know, down the line, she loses the title. She goes down, she finds that sort of X factor and she wins the title again. And that's the moment of like, yes, this is it. This is it. That's more than possible. I just think there is something missing currently for me that leaves me slightly disconnected from enjoying these Utami matches. And it could be that thing that we talked about of that. These wrestlers sort of don't have any, there's nothing there except for I'm a wrestler and I want to wrestle well and I want to do well and keep my title. Yeah. I, cause like she, I, I think she just doesn't have that crowd connection yet. And like, that's cause like what's her hook. She doesn't really have one. Like Mayu is just, you just connect with her. You know, she's just like this kind of this goofball who lands on her neck and you just instantly like her because of that. (laughs) And Utami just doesn't have that yet. And again, she'll get there, but there's no room for that kind of growth in this company right now because they just, there's no like character development. It's just, Hey, you're here. Are you going to get a title today? Yeah. Okay, cool. You have that title now. Uh, you want to wrestle this person? All right. Yep. Okay, cool. Uh, now you and the two other red ladies are going to have this trilogy of matches and you're just going to be the red ladies for a little while and you're going to be at the top of the card. And is it Siri? Is it a Rohat? I don't know. It doesn't really matter, I guess. Yeah. So look, I didn't think the match was in any way bad. It just didn't connect to me and it feels a bit like to me. I'm starting to glaze over with these big matches. You know, I love the Starlight Kid Natsupoi match on the show that they live streamed on YouTube. I just loved having a main event that was like, hey, we're going to go out, we're going to wrestle, we're going to go fast, we're going to do this stuff. And it didn't have to be, okay, we're going to go out there and we're going to wrestle for 31 minutes and it's going to be epic and we're going to hit each other with the biggest moves we have and we're going to go all out. It's like, I've seen that now a ton. Yeah. Like, would love if one of these shows was main evented by a tag match, a tag title match. Yeah. Would love and, that. And you mentioned, like, you were feeling deja vu. Like, I would agree, but in a different sense. This is starting to feel like why I stopped watching New Japan for the most part. Like, every kind of main event just feels the same, and it's not compelling anymore in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking "Ah, maybe i can pull a ken griffey jr rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arena club.com the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous 
brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network well <laughs> on that note uh that will wrap up our coverage of the stardom. Yeah. Oh, wait, actually, Joe. I never gave my oh. rating for this one. Oh, go ahead. I actually kind of like this match. I went three and three quarters. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I I thought it, it opened not great, but it ended up being uh, pretty good. Uh, I said in my notes, good, just shy of being great. Well, there you go. There's a positive. There's a positive note to end on and to, and to make ourselves feel a little bit more positive before we head into talking about the big Tokyo Joshi show, we have to tell you about this great company. They're called HelloFresh and HelloFresh is great. It's fall. And guess what? You know what fall is? Fall is for family time. And HelloFresh has recipes like meatloaf a la mom and one pot broccoli mac and cheese which make weeknight meals go off without a hitch and you may be sitting there you may be saying well i don't know you know meals are not for me i don't need meals well guess what HelloFresh isn't just for meals their marketplace features a variety of snacks like this falls pumpkin cinnamon rolls to get you in the mood for this chilly cozy season doesn't that sound great some nice snacks, or if you want, you can get some meals coming to your house, get a big pot going as the weather gets a little bit chilly, get some warm food in you, and enjoy. So if this sounds good to you, you can go to hellofresh.com slash V-O-W-14 
and use the code VOW14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash VOW14 and use code VOW14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. What a deal. And that is with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. So the next show we're going to talk about, Tokyo Joshi's big show of the year, Wrestle Princess 2, coming from Oda City General Gymnasium in front of 1,914 fans. Before we start, Kelly, what'd you think of the show as a whole? Overall, I really enjoyed it. I, I, it was fun. It was it's it's what I want out of a Tokyo Joshi show. Just a pretty light, breezy show with some good matches on top. Yeah, I also really enjoyed it. I also have to say that I don't know if it's because it was the first one last year or what it was, but this show to me felt really like a much bigger show than last year. Even though last year felt like a big show, I really liked uh, Kelly. I don't know if you watched any of the the, the pretty long pre-show that they did. The pre-show was uh, good. Before the show. I watched the whole pre-show. It was very good. They showed two matches they showed Yuki Arai and Moka Miyamoto, and they showed Maki Ito's first match in the company against Miyu Yamashita, uh, which I thought were great. They had interviews. They had uh, Balianaki and Chris Brooks already on commentary, translating a lot of the promos that were being done, which I thought was really great. I thought it was a really cool thing to do. Got everyone in front of the camera, built some of these matches up. So I thought that that was really great. And I also... Uh, really enjoyed the show, had a lot of different thoughts. I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about as we move up the card. But the first match, a six-person tag match, Palm Harajuku, Raku, and Ram Kaichao defeating Haruna Neko, Kaya Torabami, and Mahira Kiryu in 10 minutes and 9 seconds. Kelly, what would you think of this? Fun opener. Uh, I thought Ram looked really good in her uh, Tokyo Joshi debut. Cool new gear. Uh, and yeah, just solid opener. I went two and a quarter on it. Well, I hate to, I hate to bring the grumpiness o- over translate. Oh, no. I, I didn't think that this was all that great. You know, it's the first match on the card. I was looking forward to Ram Kai Chow. I thought she looked good. Uh, I sort of was look, I was waiting to see Ram and Kaya Torabami, but it felt to me like Kaya Torabami was barely in like it felt like she wasn't really in the match all that often yeah like and i think in, that maybe... plays into her taking a break did you see this oh no i didn't even see this she is going to be taking time off until the january 4th show with well, no like go. really that... specified reason why but so i don't know what's going on if she's hurt or if she just need her, her focus is elsewhere and I don't know, maybe she's like in school right now, which could very well be possible. <laughs> yeah, I missed that. I also was off Twitter for a couple of days because I was trying to avoid spoilers because I didn't watch this show live. Um, so I did miss that. But that is interesting because it was something that stuck out to me that she came in at the beginning. She looked pretty good. And then seemingly as the match went on, I was like, where is she? Yeah, um, she kind of disappeared. Um, 
And it was just one of those matches where like sometimes Mahiro comes in and I'm like, wow, she looks she looks great. Why doesn't she push more? And some matches she comes in and I'm like, mm, okay, this is why she is maybe not push more. Um, and like even like Raku, who I think is really good, I thought just looked fine. And maybe well, this was one Raku that was you know I, off her game because she isn't tagging with her normal partner. That is true, and it was brought up on English. It was brought up uh, like it was on this show was brought up on English commentary that it was shocking that they were not teaming together. Um, but just one of those matches where maybe I was just hyped after the pre-show. I was like, oh, yeah, here we go. The show is starting. We're getting this stuff. We had seen the Up Up Girls performing. And then it was just sort of like, yeah, okay, this is fine. You know, my thoughts on Haruna Neko are fairly um, stated. So, yeah, a match to me that I was just sort of like, yeah, you know, two stars. Not not great to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just a little above you with the two and a quarter. Like it was, it was fine. It's a fine opener. Like I was this te- like, no, this wasn't pre-show. So this was main show. Yeah, it definitely felt like a pre-show dark match. Yeah. Uh, the next match, a three-way match: Nadoka Tenma defeating Hyper Masao and Rika Tatsumi in ten minutes and fifty-five seconds. This is a match. I thought this was really fun. This is about what you would probably expect from a hyper missile match. I really liked the uh, sort of story of hyper only wanting to wrestle Rika uh, being like, Hey, you're back. I want to wrestle you. I don't want to wrestle you. Nadoka Tenma. Um, so really, you know, a sort of classic hyper missile match that I thought was, uh, I thought was really fun. Yeah. I thought there was some decent ideas behind it. I, the comedy didn't land super well for me, so I thought it kind of dragged. I ended up just going two stars on it. It was it was fine. The next match, the debuting Asuka tagging with Yuki Kamafuku in Venue, uh, defeating Marika Kobashi and now Kakuda. Uh, this was a match, actually, I really enjoyed. We talked about on the preview that I was a little bit bummed that for Asuka's debut, she was getting um, this team to face off with. But I actually thought that this was maybe one of Now's best performances since she's come to Tokyo Joshi. I thought she really held up her end of the bargain. I thought Marika looked good. So I ended up really enjoying this. I went three and a half stars. Uh, you know, obviously hoping that if Asuka comes back to Tokyo Joshi outside of these big shows, uh, that maybe she can get some bigger matches. But I actually thought this was a lot of fun and ended up really enjoying it. Yeah, I, I was impressed. You got uh, two licensed songs in one entrance. Like that, that was something. You had the camera work, to me, was reminiscent of New Japan when there's women around. <laughs> I was shocked when um, a Bad Girl started playing. I was like, oh, I'm always confused by sometimes those themes get muted and I'm like, Oh, okay. They can't pay for it. And sometimes I don't know if it's just the company that's like, eh, if we get sued, we'll just pay them money and they probably yeah. won't ever catch us. Or if they have the money and they've like somehow paid for the song, which I can't imagine being the case. No. Um, that I'm always like, Oh, I'm hearing, I'm, <laughs> I'm hearing music. Um, which yeah, I gotta is, say, I, I was shocked in this in this this Tokyo Joshi so and all of a sudden the camera cuts and there's just a bouncing ass in the camera and, <laughs> in the shot I was like this is not what I expected from this show 
<laughs> Where's my wholesome Tokyo Joshi Pro gone? Yes, it was higher up the card. Maybe the lower card, they're like, oh, we can get a little bit scandalous. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, but yeah, I I echo your sentiment on uh, now Kakuda. I thought she looked good in this match. Um, I like her new gear. It looks like she belongs in Girls Frontline, which if you're not aware of what that is, it is a phone game where girls are representing various types of guns. And wait, hold on. Time out. Yeah. It's a phone game where girls are representing different types of guns. It feels like there's something. What happens? So, like, you make them fight. So, like, you oh, you I have your, your team where it's like, oh, I have machine gun, AK-47, and Uzi, and we're going to go fight these people. It's not my typical kind of phone game. I only played it for a while because they did a crossover with uh, Valhalla, which is a cyberpunk bartending simulator that I enjoy quite a bit. So uh, there was like a month where I got way into Girls Frontline. And then once that collaboration was done, I deleted it from my phone. But so now's gear makes her look like she should be in that game. It was it's very cool. Uh, Wow. That was a lot of things that I was not aware of in any uh, in any capacity. This was your anime girl phone game update. Yes, there you go. Uh, for some reason, when you first described it, I thought you were going to say like, oh, they're girls, they're like machine guns. And then like, I know that there are some anime games that are like, you call them on the phone and you can like speak to them, you know, quote unquote, speak to them. <laughs> And I'm like, is that what you do? Like, you call them and they're like, ooh, I'm like this type of gun. But I'm like, that would be <laughs> sort of weird. No, no, they just... But I guess just so is girls other. dress up as machine guns who fight each other. That's also sort of strange. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway. But yeah, fun uh, match. Uh, I went three stars. I thought it started a little rocky for me, but it ended up picking up and was pretty good by the end. Well, speaking of being more wholesome... The next match, uh, Riho teaming with Shoko Nakajima to defeat the young team of Arisu Endu and Suzume in 14 minutes and 52 seconds. I have to say, I'm probably the high man on this match. I thought this match ruled. I, thought <laughs> I it liked was, it. I thought it was so good. I thought everyone did really well. I, I mean, it's one of those things where if you told me like two years ago or so, if like you went back in time and you told past me that you're like in two years, Suzume will be maybe your favorite wrestler in all of Tokyo. Joshi, <laughs> I would have been like, you're insane. <laughs> I would have never believed you. I thought she was really good in this match. I thought she had a lot of really good sequences with Riho. I thought they were really evenly well matched. I thought that they fit really well together uh endo was really good shoko nakajima of course was good as always i really love the sort of veteran team teaming up against this younger quote-unquote rookie team uh, suzume is not a rookie but you know the younger team and i thought it was just a great mesh of styles uh i went four and a quarter stars i thought it was holy shit awesome <laughs> I ended and I was like, yes, this is so great. And I knew I was a high man. I actually <laughs> went to cage match um, before the show. And it's like, ah, oh, the cage match is six out of 10, which is like three stars. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm definitely the high man on this <laughs> match. Um, yeah, I just loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, three and a quarter on mine. Like I, I, I liked it. 
Um, I love that Riho is just throwing elbows like she's Minoru Suzuki now. Just like so stiff. I mean, I just have to say, Riho, the difference between watching her in a match like this and watching her in like AEW against the bunny is like <laughs> night and day to me. Like, Riho must genuinely hate America. And I mean, like, relatable. I get it. But like, I mean, there's something going on. Yeah. Like, if she. I, I think I said it last last time. If she didn't have like the friendship with Kenny, I think she would have been gone a long time ago. Because I just genuinely don't think she likes coming to America. <laughs> and I again can't blame her. And uh, she certainly seems very comfortable here. You know, she had yep. all those issues with stardom, where she wasn't getting booked, or she was getting booked and she wasn't getting booked strongly. Uh, oh, stardom to see her. Stardom. <laughs> how how would that happen? someone not getting Uh, booked strong what uh but would love to see her more in tokyo joshi i don't know i literally it's so weird with riho like i watch her wrestle and i'm like i have no idea where i'll see riho wrestle next it could be back in aew it could be for the uh tbs title tournament yeah it could just be be in a random choco pro show for all we know uh so you never know yeah. Who's, a, who's another wrestler that's sort of like that, where you're like, oh, you never know where they'll show up. I don't know. Uh, I will say, I think this is the first match where I thought Endo showed her inexperience. Because there was a bit, like, in the later half of the match where she kind of looked out of her depth and kind of gassed. And, like, there was, she came in, like, she was out of the ring for a while, and then she came in the ring, did one spot, and then immediately rolled out and kind of just stayed there for the rest of the match. Like, she... She looked out of it for a little bit. Uh, but overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, like I said, I went three and a quarter. So a full star less than you, but I still liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I hated the match. You hated it. You hated it. <laughs> uh, well, and I also was excited at the end of the match. I don't remember who it was who said it. Maybe it was Aki or maybe it was Chris Brooks. And this could th- just be them talking but they were like, oh, we have a lot of strong tag teams now. We could see Riho and Shoko go up up against Asuka and Yuki Kamafuku. And I was like, hell yeah. Yes, please. I would like to see that. Let's do it. Uh, before we um, leave this match, there's one thing. I am begging Shoko Nakajima to find a way to secure her hat to her head without having to hold it on constantly. Like you've you've had this hat for how long? And you always have to hold it on. Just fucking, I, just do anything to secure it to your head. Get a little strap in there. I don't know. But just like, it's always trying to run away from her head. It, like, come on. And it's like, it, it's not like she's swapping out hats and this is just like the bad one. It's This is the one she wears. And it has been doing it for years now. And it's always trying to run away from her head and she's got to hold it on. And she can't do the raw monster thing with only one arm. It looks goofy because why does a monster care about keeping their hat on? Wow. <laughs> okay. Well, this, uh, this is, I think about this literally every time I see her. <laughs> well, I'm not going to top that. So we're just going to move on to the next <laughs> match. Uh, the next match, Aja Kong and Mocha Miyamoto defeating... Miyu Watanabe and Yuki Arai in 16 minutes and three seconds. 
the first thing I have to say is that I genuinely, I genuinely believed midway through this match that Miyu Watanabe was going to get Aja Kong up for the big swing. I thought she was going to do it too. I, she got so close. <laughs> I genuinely was like, holy shit, she's going to do it. And then of course she didn't do it. And I was like, oh, why did I fool myself into I believing? Like it, it was, she was so close to getting her off the ground. I, I want a singles match between those two. Like I know Kong's taking some time off, but yeah. like when she comes back, I want a singles match because I loved their interactions. And I thought, yes, I was... you know who looked really good in this match? Mocha. Yes. I think this yeah. was her best match. Yeah, I agree. And I think there was a show, I don't remember, a couple months ago where I was like, hey, Mocha looks pretty good. And then she had another match where she sort of went back. Um, but she looked good again. So I'm like, yeah. I think she is improving um, sort of match over match. You know, you're not going to hit 100 percent but i also thought she looked really good i thought this was a super fun match you know i am sort of glad to hear that aja kong is taking some time off getting this knee surgery um because she i mean it is a a bit noticeable in the ring that she is slower and i hope that it helps her even not having to do with wrestling but helps her sort of in life yeah um helps her out and look if she can come back and she's more mobile and she's able to you know, that the time, even the time off, you know, at her age, just taking a couple months off, healing up, not even with the surgery, but other things. And if she can come back and be better or even have, you know, one last sort of cool run, if she wants to retire or something like that, I think that's great. But this was a match. I, I, I feel like a broken record. I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was really good. I think I went like three and a half stars, uh, a good mix of sort of fun comedy Esque moments with some good solid action yeah i went three and three quarters on it i thought everyone was on here and it was just it was a really good tag the next match was our first title match of the evening it was for the international princess title where the champion hikari noah retained her title in 11 minutes and 27 seconds over yuki aino uh this was a match i you know, one of those matches where I was like, this was a match, three stars, didn't blow me away. I think it was under really what sort of I expected. I was expecting a little bit more, didn't think it was bad, but just sort of thought it was a match. It also sort of had the bad fortune of being between, you know, the two matches before that I thought were really fun. And then the two matches after, which we'll talk about in a second. So I just thought it was sort of fine. And that I think sometimes with this international princess title is going to be sort of what you get. You may get these matches that are like, well, these are fine because these are largely wrestlers that are sort of still growing into this bigger match world. Yeah. Uh, I went three and a half. I thought it was good. Uh, I thought Hikari got like a hard fought win for this. Um, I will say, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything, obviously. It feels to me like when Yuki Aino isn't winning a match, she doesn't put in full effort. And I think that kind of showed here. And like I've I've only noticed this recently where it's like if she's gonna you can kind of almost tell when she comes to the ring where it's like, oh, she doesn't look as thrilled as normal. So it's like, oh, she's gonna lose. Okay. 
And I, I don't know. It just comes through. Just her effort levels aren't up to where they should be. And so it's like, eh, that's kind of a thing to keep an eye on. Um, I thought the uh, the finisher, Hikari had like an insane bridge. Like that was really cool. But yeah, overall, good match, but kind of forgettable. Yeah, there were a couple of crazy looking bridges on the show because I think also Riho hit one in their match where it was like, wow, people, <laughs> people in this company know how to do a bridge. Yeah. Uh, that is like on your tippy toes. Um, that's interesting about what you said about Yuki. I didn't see that, although maybe, you know, her next singles match, which I'm assuming she'll have some down the line because she seems to be getting more focus on the singles. I'll be interested to see if maybe I'll look for that and see if I can spot it because I didn't see it, but also I wasn't really looking for it. So maybe uh, that's why I missed it. The semi-main event was the Princess Tag Team title match. The magical Sugar Rabbits of Mizuki and Yuka Sakazaki defeating the Neo Bishiki Goon team of Mei, Samichelle, and Saki-sama to win the titles in 18 minutes and 33 seconds. The first thing we have to talk about before we talk about the match. A great entrance for Neo Bishiki Goon with Saki-sama turning around on that chair <laughs> And then May Sam Michelle starts walking down the aisle and drops all the roses. Oh, that uh, was so funny. <laughs> it was so funny. I don't even know. Like I watched it and I was like, I'm pretty sure that was an accident, but it was funny and weird enough that I was like, maybe it was on purpose. Yeah. Cause it looked like it didn't look like she, she just dropped. Like, I don't know how it even happened. Like, <laughs> it just fit perfect. Like it was so good. And uh, Aki and Chris Brooks on commentary being like, we can't believe she would do this. We can't <laughs> believe it. I was like, yes, this is very good. That happened before the horrible match. goblin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Kelly, what'd you think of, of this match? I know that I you thought it was awesome. I know that you came out and you said you love Neo Bishiki Goon, which caused some controversy earlier this week, but uh, oh, they're the best. How can you not love them? They're so good. They're, they're the tag champs of my heart forever. They're evil. They're- yeah, I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> the world is evil. Uh, but yeah, I the aus- the match was awesome. Both teams were just laying their stuff in. Like this was a stiff match. Uh, the ref bump in there normally that would have bothered me, but the uh, riding the broomstick down made it worth it. <laughs> and like this is a really quick paced match. They fit a lot of stuff in i i really really enjoyed it and also i like mizuki's new gear oh yeah uh i also liked a broomstick spot with uh balianaki screaming on commentary she's a witch she's a witch (laughs) (laughs) um i also i really like this match i went kelly would you go uh, i went four and a quarter Okay, so I was only slightly behind you. I went four stars. I felt like there were a couple spots in the match where they weren't, it wasn't terrible, but it felt like they weren't quite in sync. Um, I was thinking of it in my brain as like when you're doing a jigsaw puzzle and you fit a piece and you're like, yep, that piece goes there. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, wait a minute. It doesn't go Uh there. Yep. Where it's (laughs) close enough. Like these weren't, they weren't botching things, but it was like, it just felt like they were half a step out of sync on two or three things 
Whereas like, ooh, and then they got through it and it was fine. And again, I still really liked the match. I went four stars. Um, so I think it. Pro- I think they probably have a little bit better of a match in them. I don't know if that's going to happen down the line. It seems to happen with Neo Bishiki Goon that they sort of win the titles and then they lose the titles and sort of fade away. And then the new addition comes back. We'll see what happens. I know that the aftermatch commentary or the aftermatch comments, I should say, uh, Saki Sama mentioned something to May Sam Michelle. She said, Oh, now you're a full maid. So it didn't seem like a sort of comment that would be made if the team were imminently breaking up. Um, but we'll see a, a match that I thought was really great. I mean, four great wrestlers. So not surprising to me. You know what my favorite part of Mizuki changing her gear is? Now I can send like clips or gifs of her to people and they won't say like, oh, Riho's really good. Because that happens every single time. And I'm like, no, 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 that's oh, Mizuki. And they're like, no, that's Riho, right? And I'm like, no, they just have very similar gear and the same body type and they're like the same height. I swear they're Do not Do they the have same very person. similar gear? I would argue they have very different gear. Well, it's pink. That's all people see. <laughs> <laughs> if they don't follow Boy, like, don't send them don't send them uh miyu yamashita clips or they might yeah. say oh what's rihu doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh but anyway so an undercard i thought as a whole the undercard i preferred i don't know if you even remember i preferred wrestle princess 2 over wrestle princess 1 i thought wrestle princess 2 had a stronger undercard with the tag match and a couple of the uh openers um but the main event, and one I'm sure that we'll have a lot to talk about, the Princess of Princess title match, Miyu Yamashita, the champion, defeating Maki Ito in 17 minutes and 23 seconds with the Crash Rabbit Heat. Well, let's start with the match itself first. Kelly, what do you think just of the match? I loved the match. Uh I, 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 you know, I loved Aki and Brooks on commentary because all of their reactions just felt so genuine. And like, it kind of made me feel like this is like what GCW thinks their commentary is. Cause it's like, okay, it's like you're watching wrestling with your friends and that's, that's what this felt like. You know, it, it, it's not just some dude screaming dumb nonsense over the show. Like they, had a lot of good observations, but at the same time, they just felt like two friends you're watching the show with and they are enjoying themselves. I thought that was really good. Uh, Amazingly well-worked match and really well-plotted out. To me, this felt like what people think or what NXT wants their like epic matches to be though not anymore because now they're bizarre ass NXT 2.0 but like this is what the like when Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa are having their matches this is what they think they're doing like they they imagine this Maki Ito Miyu Yamashita match in their head like this is the good kind of epic match I I really loved it I went four and a half uh, I also really loved it. I also went four and a half. Uh, I totally agree with the commentary thing. I think the great thing about Aki is, and this is the case with Tokyo Joshi and also with his commentary in Chuckle Pro, is that he comes across as genuinely a guy who seems to love watching wrestling. Uh, 
Yes. He really gets into it, but he gets into it in a way that isn't so over the top. And it doesn't at at any point ever feel sort of like manufactured excitement. Like a lot of the, you talked about GCW, a lot of like American commentary. That's like, like sometimes feels like people just screaming because they're like, this is what's got to happen now. And if I scream, people will think it's better. Um, so I thought it was great. I thought the match itself was really great. I thought it built really well. It was really hard hitting. Uh, I love the moment when um, Maki hit the sort of jumping headbutt on Miu. And then Miu, I think, went right into the kick that like knocked Ito out. I thought that was great. I mean, I just thought the whole thing was really, really strong. As I said, I went four and a half as well. By far, the... Uh, match of the night and for me the match of the the weekend because the two shows we just talked about were on the same day uh really great but now let's talk about the ending which is miyu defeating maki ito kelly what do you think about this decision maki ito losing uh again here in a big spot it was very deflating watching it. it's like i the the three count happened and i was kind of like no 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 this is a mistake the, the the she was supposed to kick out and she wasn't this is this is what they chose to book and like i i don't know maybe it'll end up being something good but i just i don't like it it's starting to it's starting to feel kind of like naito and just how they kept pushing his push back and it's like all right when are they going to give him the belt it's time and it feels like it's just will it be too late when they finally do it? But, you know, that remains to be seen. For the most part, I do trust the Tokyo Joshi booking, so I'm more optimistic on it than I would be with stardom. And, like I said, the match was great, so that helps mitigate it a bit. <laughs> well, what uh, what do you think? Yeah, well, you sort of took almost all the words out of my mouth because <laughs> I was going to say that It was sort of a shocking decision to me, but that Tokyo Joshi has earned a lot of goodwill with me in the way that they booked, because I think that they have booked a lot of things very smartly, but it felt to me like that Naito Wrestle Kingdom where he came in and everyone was like, he's winning. Like, this is it. Everyone was ready. He goes out there and he loses. And it was like just the deflating... Like, uh, like, oh, this was it. And also on this show, the big show, I was like, they're definitely going to end with like the big moment of like Maki Ito winning the title. Like, that's how the show ends. Like Maki yeah. Ito wins the title and it ends with her holding the title up. And it's like, oh, she finally did it. And it didn't happen. And I'm just like, what to me is, you know, they showed the first match, the Maki Ito's first match in the pre-show and you just think about her story of like she came in she had been fired she wasn't good at wrestling you know Aki was talking about in the main event that in that first match like the ref was going to stop the match not even on a pinfall not even on a submission but just because Maki Ito was like losing so badly 
And she sort of grew out of that and she grew into the sort of Maki Ito of she was getting better, but she didn't quite have it. Like she would get beat and then she would be defiant at the end and she'd give the middle finger and she'd get knocked out and lose. And that sort of felt to me like part two. And then part three was sort of this winning the Tokyo Princess Cup, you know, becoming new era charisma, going over to AEW, getting big over there, you know, sort of being better, telling me, Yamashita, I want your best. You know, I want you at your best. I want to beat the best. And it just feels like she loses here, and I'm not entirely sure what the next step is. And I'm also just thinking about, you know, one of the things with Ito winning the Princess Cup, you know, she got this main event, but there's also all this stuff with sort of Mizuki. And you may have taken the heat off that because now she's tag champion and you can sort of have her off and defending the tag titles for a while. And you don't feel that pressure to be like, you got to move her up. You got to move her up. But I'm worried about that. They get to this point where they haven't pulled the trigger on some of these people. And then all of a sudden you've got three or four people. I think one sort of good thing about uh, Mirai Mayumi leaving, if there is any really positive is that I think that she was growing very quickly and was going to be in that conversation for the Princess of Princess title sooner rather than later. And that would have created even more of a logjam. I mean, I would say now you have Ito probably circling a title win still. Mizuki circling a title win, you know, at some point. And maybe someone else will emerge, you know, Rika yeah, Tatsumi, I mean, you've given her the title, so that's okay. But I'm like... You, and Yuka's yeah. always in that conversation. Yeah, but Yuka has had it, so I'm less like, okay, I'm like, Yuka has been the champion. Yeah. I'm less worried about, you know, if she doesn't have it for a year, she can always get it again, and it's fine. But, like, these people who haven't gotten it and their stories seem to be building towards that being the ending point, to not pull the trigger here, I'm sort of like, if you're not going to pull the trigger here, I guess maybe she could never win the title. I guess that's a thing that could happen. Yeah. But it's like you got to pull the trigger at some point, and now you've got two people you have to pull the trigger on in timing it in such a way that one doesn't step on the other. You know, Ito wins and then Mizuki wins, and you feel like you've undercut Ito. And it feels, this feels a little to me like the other comparison I was thinking of is sort of Ring of Honor, that sort of 2007. Tyler Black, yep. Ish period where, but you had Tyler Black, you had sort of Nigel, where you had all these people who it felt like the crowd was into and they wanted to see win and they would sort of get that title match and you're like, this is it. And they wouldn't win. And then they'd sort of win six months down the road where it didn't feel like you had a chance to give it the title to them when it's hot and you would be like, yes, the crowd is going crazy and you give it to them six months later and people are happy, but it's not the same and you lose the chance to sort of build their momentum at the very top level you have, you know, Nigel had all that stuff with um, Brian Danielson and then he sort of just went away and then later on uh, won the title. And it's just, and then he became a heel because he had a concussion. Yeah. (laughs) And 
So, like I said, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. You know, they had a uh, show, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, Tokyo Joshi did a house show in which uh, Miyu and Maki teamed up after the match. Uh, Miyu was talking about, oh, I'm so happy I won at, you know, Wrestle Princess 2. And Maki was getting mad at her saying, how dare you talk like that in front of me because I lost the match. So I feel like the story is not over but I'm just sort of, uh, I don't know what word I want to use, but I'm sort of looking at this situation quizzically because I'm not entirely sure what the step forward is. To me, Miu, when she won the title originally, I was like, okay, she's clearly a placeholder for something. Yeah. But now I'm like, and it seemed when they booked this match, I was like, oh, she's a placeholder, so Ito can beat her, and it will be a big deal. And now I'm not really sure what she's a placeholder for. Yeah, and I honestly, like, I feel yeah. with Ito losing, they lost out on a chance to grow their international audience because, like, Maki got over in AEW. People like her. And this was would have been a good chance, especially with the deal they're running where you're getting four months of wrestle universe for the price of one where you know you could just be like hey aew fan you remember maki ito she won the title in this company it was a really good match you should watch here's a great deal you can watch the shows and look at all this other stuff like i feel like they just missed out on that you know like and i i, I don't know they're probably not even thinking of that but they probably should be but like i it just I don't know. That seemed like a real big missed opportunity for me. Yeah, I don't know. You know, the international stuff, I'm always, just because I don't know and we don't have really any numbers, I'm like, I don't know if that is moving the needles. And maybe part of that decision was that they did some pushing of Maki. You know, she's winning the Tokyo Princess Cup and maybe none of that translated to bigger international subscribers. I don't, yeah. you know, that I guess could be the case. I think my thing is I'm going to that now, you know, they announced their Korokin schedule. They also announced they're running Sumo Hall by themselves in March of 2022, uh, which will be a really interesting uh, show to see, an interesting card to see. But now I sort of look towards that, gen- that big January 4 show, you know, what is the title match? You know, because if the title match is just Miyu against, I don't know, like Shoko Nakajima, I'm just throwing out a name of like someone who's won the title already. Then I might be saying, you know, what is the direction of some of these people? But as I said, they've earned some goodwill with me. They've booked some other people very well. You know, talking about Akari Noah, I think they've done very well. Yuki done very well. Suzume, I think has been good. Uh, some of their rookies are good. So right now I'm just sort of at a wait and see position. Yeah. And one other thing that kind of made me think that Maki was winning was I, I could be wrong on this, but I thought she had a new arrangement for her music. Like it sounded a little different to me. I, I liked it. I mean, certainly it seemed like all those little things like showing her first match in the pre-show them talking it up, you know, she's new era charisma. It seemed like all of these things, not major things, but sort of minor things pointing towards her winning. And maybe that was part of it that they were doing that on purpose to sort of misdirect 
They swerved us, bro. Away. Um, that's, that's the which, second show in I a guess row worked. I did my Vince Russo voice. Wow. <laughs> so, yes, but with all of that said, still a match I loved and a show that I thought was uh, really great. Uh, so next we'll talk about all the other things that have been happening over the last two weeks. And we'll start, uh, funny enough, with Stardom, who has had some shows since that October 9th uh, big show. The first one was on the 16th. Uh, and the other one that happened today as we record this uh, the, at Corican Hall, the opening of the Stardom Tag League uh, they announced a few days ago the blocks for the tag league, and they are as follows. In the Blue Goddesses block, it is Momo Watanabe teaming with Azumi, uh, Tom Nakino teaming with Mina Shirakawa, Starlight Kid and Ruwaka teaming up, Suri and Micah, Mayu Iwatani with, as mentioned, Rin Katakura from Marvelous, and Lady C and Wakasukiyama. That's the blue block. In the red block, it is the Aphrodite team of Utami and Sayakamatani. It is Himika and Natsupoi, Hazuki and Koguma, Unagi Sayaka and Mei Sakurai, Saki Kashima and Fukigen Death, and Hanan and Rina the final team in that block. So the first day of the tag league saw four matches, Hazuki and Koguma defeating Hanan and Rina, Saki Kashima and Fukigen death, getting the upset on Sayakamatani and Utami, Momo and Azumi going to a draw with Ruaka and Starlight Kid, and Micah and Siri defeating Tom Nakino and Mina Shirakawa. So very early on, only four matches so far. They will have uh, more Tag League matches in the next few weeks. Seedling had a show on October 13th. The main event saw Hanako Nakamori defeat Arisa Nakajima, and the semi-main saw Hiroyo Matsumoto and Nanai Takahashi defeat Masato Tanaka. And you, I was happy to see Tanaka... I was happy to see Tanaka back because the first seedling match I ever watched was Nanai Takahashi against Masato Tanaka. Hey, me too. Uh, so uh, now, that was, that was that the match where they had like a GoPro strapped to the referee too. Was that that match? It might have been. And I was like, this I'm is the to... coolest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to even remember what year was that? 20... I don't even remember what year that was. I would guess was that a, was 2016, maybe? That's what I was going to say. Uh, but it was a match that was recommended to me. I had never heard of Seedling. Uh, watched the match and really enjoyed it and got into Seedling. Yeah, no, so, that was the first Seedling match I ever saw, too, because I was like, ooh, Tanaka doing something fun. <laughs> uh, as mentioned, Tokyo Joshi had their show on October 16th with the Miyu Maki team tagging and winning in the main event ice ribbon the big news out of ice ribbon rena shingaki winning the triangle ribbon over the champion totoro tatsuki and miku aono uh, rena shingaki is retiring on november 23rd so it will be interesting to see what happens uh with that title in the next month plus 
Uh, they've also been continuing in the Wrestle Arena League Queen of 10 Minutes Tournament. Uh, in the A block, Akane Fujita is on top. Four points, two wins. Suzu Suzuki and Baniokawa uh, both at zero with one loss. And Hamakohoshi has not had any matches yet. So that block still uh, wide open. B block, Tekla at the top. Four points, two wins. Mochi Miyagi at two with one win and one loss. Mika Ozaki at two with one win. And Yappy is statistically eliminated zero points with three losses. Block C, Risa Sarah at the top of the block with four points, one win, and two draws. So she is done. She has wrestled all three of her matches. Ibuki Hoshi and Maya Yukihi down at one point with one draw each. So they can both catch Risa Sarah because they have two more matches. And Asahi at zero with one loss. And finally, Block D, Sakushi on top, three points with one win and one draw. Totoro Satsuki at two points with one win. Tsukasa Fujimoto at one point with one draw. And Yuki Mashiro is statistically eliminated, zero points. She has two losses already, so we will watch that as it continues. Diana had their Cork and Hall show on October 10th, where the veteran team in the main event defeated the young team in a two out of three falls match. Uh, in Actress Girls, Hakari Shimizu and Saki retained the wave tag titles over me and Rina Amakura. And in Pure J, uh, Cherry and Leon retained their tag titles against Kazuki and Raidin Hagane. Uh, today on October 17th. So that is everything that's happened in the past two weeks. Coming up, Stardom has two shows. They are both tag league shows. Uh, highlighted a big match on the 30th, Micah and Siri against Mayu Iwatani and Rin Katakura. That should be a lot of fun. And on the 31st, uh, less matches. That one highlighted another Mike and Suri match against Momo Watanabe and Azumi. So that worth looking forward to. Seedling has a Shankiba show on October 17th. Oz has a show on October 24th, which is the Akino birthday show. So she has booked that show. Tokyo Joshi has two smaller shows on the 23rd and the 30th. Sendai Girls has a show with two title matches on October 21st. The junior title match, the champion Eureka Oka will take on Seedling's Riko Kaiju. So that should be a lot of fun. And in the tag title match, Mika Iwata um, and Ayumi taking on Hibiki and Andres Miyagi. So that should be a lot of fun. Actress Girls on the 22nd, Sayori Ano returns to Actress Girls for the first time since her departure. So one worth checking out. And Diana has a show and at Yokohama Radiant Hall. Just announced for that show, Haruka Umasaki against Hiroyo Matsumoto. That should be a lot of fun. Kelly, what is coming up in the next two weeks of Choco Pro? Uh, so they've got four shows announced. It looks like they're going to a Saturday-Sunday show schedule. So they'll have 166 on the 23rd, 167 on the 24th, 
uh, Chuckle Pro 168 on the 30th, and then 169 on the 31st being a special Halloween show. Uh, as far as I know, there aren't any cards announced for any of those, but I'm sure the Halloween show will be wacky and a lot of fun. A lot of Joshi promotions doing some Halloween shows as we close in on Halloween, and those are always, um, I always enjoy those shows. They always love have a Halloween lot of fun. Wrestling. Love Halloween. I mean, I love Halloween, so and I love wrestling, so only makes sense that I would like Halloween wrestling. Yeah. Got to get a uh, big skeleton that, in there. Yeah. Uh, big skeleton, big pumpkin. I'm sure a pumpkin will show up somewhere. Oh, got to. Um, Maybe the Choco Pro will do the thing like they did with the uh, the watermelon match, but they'll do one with a pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, that is everything for us this week. As a reminder, uh, don't forget, go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW14 and use the code VOW14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. Kelly, anything more you want to say? Nothing really. Um, just, Just want everyone to go and think about how there's a movie about the moon being evil coming out next year. Well, there you go. There's Kelly's final thoughts. So for Kelly, I am Taylor, and we will see you next time.